All right. This is the actual recording. I do a really shitty intro, so I'll just, I'll just do that. Great. I pretend like I don't know what I'm doing, even though I do the exact same thing every time. <laughs> Uh, well, hi, 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 welcome to uh, the Emo Social Club. Uh, I am Brian. Lizzie is unable to join us on this episode, so either I'm sorry or I'll catch you next week <laughs> or uh, whatever it is. Uh, but we have an interview this week. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Johnny Minardi? Hello. Happy <laughs> to be here. Yeah. Uh, so, Johnny, uh, you should probably start and tell us everything that you're doing, <laughs> everything you're known for. Oh, Jesus. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, I guess so. Um, I feel like, you know, judging by where you're located and what I know of your podcast, uh, me growing up in the area, Chicagoland area, started a label when I was 18 called LLR Recordings and worked mm -hmm. with a slew of bands, most namely Academy Is from Chicago, who I know Siski was just on the podcast mm -hmm. and that was rad. I thought that was a great episode. Oh, thank you. And... After that, went on to work at Fuel Barama with those guys and was there for eight years. Um, left for a few years to do my own thing and actually just went back two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and also in that time, started a clothing company called Good Future Club with my wife. And we were running that simultaneously. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, you're responsible for the Academy. Is I say responsible for. Yeah, I was going to say I didn't raise <laughs> them. But yeah, I, uh, <laughs> um, we became good friends uh, after William's solo project, Remember Maine. Mm -hmm. um, I was clued into by a friend and just kind of became friendly with him. And at one point during that, we were having some success and touring and all that together. Me as the label, him as the artist. Um, and then he had told me about a new project he was starting with some buddies and he's just like, why don't you, we just practiced a couple times. Why don't you come by and hear some songs and see if you're interested? And I was like, great. So went by, they think they only had two songs at the time. And they literally just played those two songs for me and my partner, Tony, uh, maybe three, four times through or something kind of in a weird way, thinking back, like how awkward and weird that is uh, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. to play two songs a couple times through. Um, <laughs> But it was great. And you can immediately just like initially we were kind of upset because we were just starting to have success with Remember Maine. And it just felt like this moment where we're like, we're finally having this really cool like breakthrough. And, you know, Internet was just really picking up for like, you know, Interpunk and Smart Punk and all these ways to start selling CDs outside of your hometown. And we we're just like, you want to kind of just stop all that and start a new band? Like, what's to say this new band's any good, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we went and like, we kind of left that practice being like, shit, he should definitely be doing this. Like, this is just as cool, if not way cooler. Um, you know, the acoustic thing you can still do on the side, whatever. It doesn't, you know, really affect anything. So right. we could tell he was pretty serious about it. And, you know, meeting the other guys there. And we've kind of been friendly with the other guys just through him and it's in the scene in general anyways. But yeah, so from there, kind of put out an EP, um, did everything we could to help those guys get them on tour, do everything. And then when it came time to kind of step up and go to another, another label, FBR and Pete Wentz were knocking and said, you know, we want to bring them up. So we kind of figured out a way to do that um, for them, just them being friends. And we all lived together. So it was a very, you know, 
homegrown. We wanted to support whatever we could help with. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And then in the interim, I went to Feel by Ramen because that was the, actually the second band that Feel by Ramen signed. Uh, the first one was August Premier, which was the first thing I ever put out um, back in 2001. So those two things going there, I got a good relationship with them. The band spoke highly of me and the Fall Up Boy guys spoke highly of me. So it worked out really well to uh to then move on for me for the next step in my career as well as theirs so mm-hmm. the rest is sort of history at this point yeah uh when you so you kind of came up in the chicago scene with uh you mentioned that you didn't really get fallout boy signed fallout boy was right. sort of already growing they were already getting kind of big um yeah. do you feel like they were kind of like a reason why you went to feel by ramen and yeah. like they kind of brought up a lot of like the people in the Chicago scene into the family? Very much so. Um, you know, we were all kind of a, a tight knit little area and there was before they recorded the first three songs for take this to your grave. And they, um, I was actually going to put those out on the label I was running at the time before they got signed. Mm-hmm. And then in the meantime, you know, they, I actually don't think I heard the songs and then they, I just agreed to do it cause we were all friends and then I loved the previous stuff and had seen it live enough times to know something cool was happening. So um, I just said, yeah. And then they came back with those three songs and I immediately was like, well, fuck, like, there's no way I'm going to get to put these out. <laughs> these are way too good. So like once anyone hears these, um, you know, they're off and running. And there's even a bunch of times where, you know, being at their apartment or whatever, you could tell at times they were just like, how come no one gives a shit? Like, how come no labels are bring, coming on board? And it was just like, you guys, you're fine. Like <laughs> these songs are unreal. Like what you're writing that isn't recorded is unreal. Like it'll work out. And you know, like a month later, every label for some reason all just like flipped the switch and was going mm-hmm. hard at them. Um, and then in that kind of thing, I think they kind of put a big spotlight on the scene, um, like more so than usual. Because like, like a year prior, Knockout was the first one out of any of our friends' bands to get a real like real record deal from a, a label that we bought records from being fearless at the time. Mm. And we were all just like blown away. Like it, when I remember when someone told me, I thought they were like fucking with me. Like that's how big of a deal it was. <laughs> um, and it was like, wait, those dudes got a record deal. And it's like, I love those guys, the music, the band, everything. So then it was kind of like playing my tees and it was like a couple others in the scene, lucky boys confusion. Mm. And then when fall boy happened though, I feel like it happened so big, so fast that, it was everyone was like seeing like the pure volume.com, the mp3.com, like all of these old worlds that you can measure all that stuff. None of these websites exist anymore. Totally. Either. Totally. <laughs> but it was just a way, there was like a weird breeding ground for like, you could, there was charts and you could fight your way into the charts and you know, whatever the, there was like a, a big moment where labels started to like put a spotlight on that stuff. And you know, with fall by doing it in Chicago, Chicago had a big spotlight on it for a moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, just being around it long enough and, and seeing, you know, what they were doing. Every other label was coming out for every other show and like meeting with bands. And there's, and I'm talking bands that are like 16, 17 years old. So like everyone's like, yeah. holy shit, what's happening right now? <laughs> so it was, it was a really interesting time um, to then watch a couple bands just get plucked up and, you know, like Audition went to Victory and mm-hmm. Academy went to, you know, Field Bar Ramen. And there's just, there was just so many like pieces of these really young bands jumping around to other labels that it became like a really real thing. So definitely Fall Boy was a huge like fire starter for like that focus. Cause even the previous stuff, like it didn't bring this like, whole you know crew of labels in to be like we have to sign more of this what's happening in chicago until mm-hmm. follow up i was like selling you know 
they're selling out Metro like every other month. And everyone's like, that's a lot of tickets for a band I've never heard of. What is going, what's going on? And, you know, no radio, no nothing, really little touring at that time, if anything. So um, I think people started to see a groundswell in Chicago because that fan base was just so, so rabid at all of these people. Yeah, I've I have these theories now that I can look back at it with some some distance on it mm-hmm. where I'm like there is something about I mean beyond the fact that like Fall Out Boy is from Chicago and they're yeah. just like we know these people we want to bring them on like I don't know if it's like the Midwest emo type thing and like how you know uh, like all these bands are like real emo is midwest emo and like everything else is just like all this but i I do feel like there's something happening at the time there was something happening in different different pockets of the country at the time but there's something about chicago that like i don't know if it was maybe more of like a diy scene and like uh i remember knights of columbus and uh, Elk Grove and like these these smaller places that were just like putting on shows that yeah, everybody right. always went there and I'm like maybe it's just more of that like DIY ethos of these these bands at the time yeah. maybe they were just like less really good bands I don't know yeah that's interesting I think it's you know looking back on it maybe now too it's I think location wise it was really interesting because a lot of those you know the VFWs and KOCs like that stuff was all so close like in distance where I mm-hmm. think now living in Southern California and other stuff, like I, everything's so spread out. So it's like your scene has to be able to stretch and withstand this distance. Whereas out there you're saying like Elk Grove, Displains, um, you know, Arlington Heights, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are all 10 minutes from each other. So yeah. it's like, and within all those little areas is our like really big high schools where once this music was, you know, in the mainstream with Blink or Green Day or Newfound Glory or whatever was actually like crushing at the time, it felt like, kids just wanted that for themselves. So when they could like find that for themselves, any Friday night for five bucks, like they were supportive. Like now I couldn't even imagine. I I feel like that doesn't exist. I feel like I can't even imagine a kid thinking, Oh, I'm just going to like, we would show up to the shows, not knowing the bands half the time, you know, you just knew a show was happening and someone at school would be like, are you going tonight? You know, it's you're like, yeah, fuck it. I don't know. Like (laughs) it was, it was just like this weird thing where now everyone wants to be like buried in like data and like, Oh, I've already heard that. Or like, I don't know, you know, it feels like it's so accessible. Like you couldn't just go and, and listen on Spotify or Apple music and be like, Oh, who are the five bands playing tonight? I'll see if I want to go. Like you just went. So it, it, it like cut out this, like, it, it didn't give them a reason to say no because they were like, well, what if it's like the next Fall Out Boy or like Alkaline Tree or like whatever, you know? It's like mm-hmm. these these kids just had that you had to go. And I was one of those kids too. I would go to every show. And then when I got there, I'd be like, I'd watch every opening band. I'd be like, well, if this band's opening for Alkaline Trio, that means Alkaline Trio likes them. So I should maybe, you know, pay, like did this yeah. weird math on it. So then I'd like immediately found five other bands. So I think it, it was in a weird way and I sound old as shit for saying it. Like, <laughs> It was a little bit more like simpler times where it wasn't like, yeah. oh, who who's playing tonight? And then you literally can listen to a song each in the next 15 minutes and be like, yeah, I don't like any of them. Yeah. Like it, it, you were just like, yeah, I'll go. And all my friends are going. So it's cool. And you meet, you know, that's how I met, you know, William or, you know, any of these guys from the bands or from, you know, other, other stuff is they'd be there. And you would just be like, oh, and they'd be like, yo, I started a band. You should come see us. We're playing in Elk Grove. And you're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you just did shit. It was yeah. really, it was really <laughs> interesting. So, and I think you're right. And once, once you saw your friends succeed, like I know Fall Boy and Knockout were really close early on. And once Knockout was starting to succeed, like I even feel like the Fall Boy guys like dug in a little bit more and like in a friendly competitive way, like mm. cause they helped each other on the records. So, but like, 
you know, then once that happened, you have these new crop of fans that are very similar, like taking stuff that they did, but mixing it in with their own stuff or their other influences. And I think once you have like kind of a trailblazer situation, then it works and it just goes and you cop, you know, you copy enough and you just learn from it that it kind of just piggybacks each other. As long as everyone, you know, for the most part was getting along and supporting each other that, mm-hmm. it, you know, there was no like competitive, like trying to beat each other. It was more just like, holy shit, look what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like when I used to do bands, it was kind of it was all right after that. Right. Like I was in a I was not in a competing band in high school. I was in a shitty band and I thought right. I was competing. <laughs> and then I look back and I go, Oh no, I, I was not. Yeah. Um sometimes it makes a little more sense when you have a clear perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hindsight makes me go, Oh no, I just sucked. Yeah, uh, good shit. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, but I I uh I don't know. It's always surprising to me when I hear like, you know, John Walker from uh Panic back in the day is from Chicago. Right. Uh Bob Breyer from My Chemical Romance is from Chicago and it's like mm-hmm. all these bands had someone from Chicago in them. And yeah. I'm like, why are like there are so many people out there and yet somehow everybody's got like one member at least from Chicago or like some attachment to Chicago and yeah. I had somebody tell me uh because, you know, they built like the Lagunitas Brewery in yeah. uh, in Chicago. And they said the reason that Lagunitas did that is because they know that if that people from Chicago love one thing and that's things from Chicago. That's very true. <laughs> it's like a really good way to get people from Illinois to really like something. It's like, yeah. oh, he's from Chicago. I love you guys now. <laughs> it's immediate. Yeah, there is some sort of like weird, deep rooted respect or something that you're like a loyal you know, follower of something because yeah. like, oh, it's from Chicago. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll give it a whirl like immediately. <laughs> Whereas like, no, it's from Louisville. You're like, ah, all right. Yeah. Don't I, worry. I think, and maybe you, you have more reference on this since you live in LA now, but I have always, I have had so many friends that have moved to LA to pursue their dreams or just mm-hmm. to move and live there, whether or not they had any dreams that needed to be <laughs> done out there. Yeah. Hopefully um, they have, hopefully they have dreams in general, but yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, for the most part, all move back. Yeah. Uh, I know some people that have made it out there, some people that are happy. But for the most part, everybody I know is like, come right back to Chicago. Usually, and, yeah. And I have this theory about L.A. versus Chicago. And it's just that people from Chicago just cannot get used to what it's like in L.A. Like whether it's the culture or the people right. or, or whatever it is or the industry – and and maybe you have some insight on that since you are now industry yeah. in LA. <laughs> yeah, that's inter- That's a heavy. Uh, that's a heavy one. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming up on. I think I'm at two and a half years right now. So I'm in in progress, I guess. Um, but I I can't see myself moving back. To be fully honest, I think um, you know one for me. Most of my family moved away from Chicago, so that's a little bit easier. I think that mm. you know most of my friends that have moved here to then move back are usually because they're expanding their family or whatever, and their you know parents and other family members are in Chicago, so it's a huge help mm. in that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely know a lot of people that have come out for music or video or whatever they're trying to pursue, and you know usually last a couple of years and then head back. But, you know, it's like, it's like anywhere to me. It's like, everyone's always like LA so fake or whatever. It's like, I don't Okay. Yeah. It's like <laughs> maybe, but like, I don't hang out with those people and you shouldn't either. If you don't like them, like, I don't, it's not that hard to avoid if you don't, you know, want to, I guess it's a different lifestyle, but also it's like whatever lifestyle you're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for me, it's like, I live, I guess, 
you know, I, I don't live in it. I live in Orange County. So I live okay. 45 minutes from most of th- most things in LA, much like displays to Chicago type thing. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. So I, um, you know, for me, it's like, I'm close enough to do anything and I'm far enough to avoid any of whatever, you know, the usual pitfalls that people like to, to claim about it. But, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's like any city. It's like, I could never see myself living in New York. I just, I don't think that's for me, but so I think it's a different speed, but I also just, you know, for me, music here is just like, so like, it's just crazy. It's like nonstop. And you go to, you know, a million things, whether it be a networking thing, a show, if you go to a random show here, like there's at least certain shows, there's five, six different labels, 10 different managers. There's like so much every time I go out, that's like in Chicago, I was like the only person I was seeing from industry at shows, you know, which is a good thing because I'm the only one seeing what's happening that night. But And the other thing for a band or for anyone trying to, you know, do take the next steps, it's like, they're all here. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like when I first moved here and I'd go to shows and like three shows in, I'm like, it's the same people at every show. This is crazy. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to get into like how you became uh, an A&R person, but I also want to ask you, like, do you think that, let's say that we have some listeners, I assume that are are interested in being a musician and sure. on most episodes I would say don't, but, <laughs> um, uh, as somebody who failed at their dream, don't, sure. uh, but also like, do you think that people who are not in, like, I'd say there's a, if you live in Chicago or you live in the Midwest, you li- you, you may be more of a big fish in a small pond. So you have a better yeah. chance of kind of standing out, but there are fewer kind of opportunities. Yeah. Uh, so in LA, you're a smaller fish in a larger pond, but you have more opportunities to to at least work towards it, to work towards right. your dream. To bump into someone, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you think that it's something that people should do? Like, like where do you stand on, do you think that people should live in smaller markets and work to be the biggest thing there? Or do you think that they should come to where the majority of the opportunities are and grind it out for, for a while? I think you stay where you're at, no matter what, um, to be fully honest, because I think anything, this is all coming from, you know, history that I've seen. So that's all I can base it on at this point. But Mm. I don't think, you know, I don't think any of those bands that, you know, we watched grow up and do do great would have done any better or worse in any other market. I think it's truly like they worked at what they did and they built a scene around it. So I think, you know, you're going to be your strongest network near your home, right? Like, so, you know, even when I was in a band or when I started signing bands, I'd bring in 20, 30 people that I was friends with. Like Mm -hmm. if I moved here and knew no one, that's 20, 30 people less in a show, you know, they're going to make or break it. But when someone that you're trying to impress comes out there, you know, they want to see, you know, interaction and reaction and, you know, just positive vibe on it because I just think, you know, building a scene around it's going to matter anyways, no matter where you are. And if you're out here in LA and there's, you know, thousands upon thousands of bands, it's like, unless you found the, you know, three or four or five that you're going to be like so heavily, heavily tied to, which would be awesome if you had like, you know, bands like that, family bands in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think location matters, um, especially now with the internet, especially like, you know, 21 Pilots, for example, it's like they weren't big anywhere except their hometown and they mm-hmm. were fucking huge. But then, they, were, they would sell 2,000 tickets in Columbus and come to Chicago. I saw them at Penny Road Pub to three people. Oh, like, my God. <laughs> it didn't matter. Like, yeah. like it. Did, and, and that was at the time they were already selling, you know, a couple thousand tickets at home. So it's mm-hmm. like – and all they did is they just kept growing that and it got louder and louder and louder. And then once 
labels, agents, managers, everyone started hearing about that. They're like, well, what the fuck? Like, if if they could build a scene in Columbus, Ohio, I don't think there's any excuse for a lot of bands. So mm-hmm. they were just doing something special enough and including people that were there from day one to then tell five friends and five friends. And, you know, the literal not skip steps method of just playing shitty venues and then playing a little bit less shitty venue and then playing, you know, working your way up to like the, the metros or the House of Blueses and whatever. So mm-hmm. I think location shouldn't be a factor. And if you're doing something special enough, people should want to see it no matter what. Whoever is seeing it should want to see it again and bring more people and talk about it. And if that's not happening, it doesn't matter where you live. <laughs> I like that. Um, so you started out from from what it sounds like. You started out just wanting to kind of help your friends Yep. in bands grow. Uh, what got you into actually like making it a full-time job? Um, so during high school, I was friends with um, Tom Conrad. I went to, he went to Prospect as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's so funny because I used to just, I didn't know him, but I would always see him wearing like band shirts or, you know, some that I knew and the ones that I didn't, I would go home and check out that night. And I was a, like, like weird, creepy dude that did that for <laughs> a while until I finally just approached him and was like, you know, brought something up and we became pretty fast friends. And mm-hmm. he, uh, he had showed me his band 504 plan. And I was just like, Holy shit, this is like as good as those bands that, that, you know, we like that we have in common. And he was just like, yeah, it's cool. Like we're playing a show, come see it, whatever I did. Um, and I continued to feel that way where I was like, this band is just as good as those bands. And I've seen local bands. Like I know not every band makes you feel that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, yeah, I know that guy. He's playing guitar. That's cool. Whatever. <laughs> like, but like them, I truly had a, a special feeling that I was like, some if more people heard this, more people would like it. You know, mm-hmm. and I know everyone feels that way, but I um I truly did. So I said, you know, I want to start a label. Um, no, what and I actually asked him, like, why aren't you on a label? Like, I didn't know. I didn't know how it worked at all. Yeah. And he was just like, well, no one's offered to sign us. I was like, well, I don't know. I'll sign you. And he's like, well, what? And I was like, I don't know. Like, let me get a label. Um, and he's like, well, what would, what would you do? And I was like, I don't know. I'll fund your recording. I'll make your CDs and then I'll, you know, sell them in stores. And he was just like, oh, all right. I'll talk to the guys. And literally that naive, you know, conversation <laughs> ended this like whole thing where I was like, well, fuck, now I got to figure out how to start a label. So I like literally like went to the library and found a book about the music industry and like the pitfalls and like the success stories and contracts and all this stupid shit. Um, that was probably pretty outdated, but you know, it was fine to get like a general understanding. Um, so I just did that. And then, um, band after band, like I would learned a lot from every, I would lose money on this record, make it up on this one. Then I would lose it again. And this band broke up two weeks into the release. And I was like, well, fuck, I just sunk <laughs> like $3,000 into that. So it's like, yeah. You just kind of like learn from the mistakes and the successes of like that really worked really well. Do that again, but don't do this. And, you know, you kind of just by process of elimination, get better at it. Um, And not to say I ever was good at it at that point, because we definitely didn't. We signed really cool bands, but we didn't make any money. But it didn't really matter because it was kind of like our college where it was our resume of showing we did. We we knew what we wanted to do and we could find the bands that, you know, were, were meaningful. So. I hit a stride that was like, remember Maine, like I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that was starting to have success and recouping really quickly. And then um, from there, it was Hidden in Plain View that I signed, and then they went to Drive Through Records. And then mm-hmm. it was Gatsby's American Dream, who that I signed, and then they went to Fearless Records. And then The Academy Is was the last thing I put out um, right with Gatsby's, basically. And then when they went to Feel By, that's when the dude that runs Feel By was like, well the last three things you signed just went on to like me or competitors. Why don't you just come work with me? 
<laughs> oh, so it's always interesting when people ask, like, I want to be A&R. How do I do it? There's no, you'd never apply for it. I don't know anyone that's like had zero experience and just been like, I want to do it and then get hired. Like mm -hmm. it's literally just, it's like, it's a proof only situation. Like if you can't get results, it doesn't exist for you. So for yeah. me, that three years of like spending my own money, making sure people, I was getting louder about the bands, getting better at marketing. Um, then the track record started to speak for itself. And I was like, I would sign something and then it would jump. And then I would sign something and it would jump. So it's like, it just became this like in between to where then he said, well, just come do that for me then. Um, so it just, you know, the track record worked and that was literally how it all just like started for me liking a band from high school, you know, yeah. and it just said, fuck it, I'll figure it out. I don't know what I'm doing, but here you go. <laughs> so it was a very like DIY process on your own just to totally. actually get like a real career out of it. hundred percent. It's like even getting records in stores. Like I didn't know how to do it. So I would just like call Best Buy and be like, can you, can I put, can you buy <laughs> records for me? And they're like, who is it? Like, no. <laughs> Like, all right well who do i call then and i just kept calling and calling and calling and then yeah. finally like i got a distributor that then sold to best buy and i was like okay that took six months but that wasn't that hard i just had to talk to 10 people you know yeah. and i think with that kind of determination it just kind of was like hey i'm gonna do this oh how are you gonna do it i don't know I'll, let, me just, <laughs> let me go look stupid for a while like it's when you're young like that too i feel like you don't really care about looking stupid because mm -hmm. you just are so like all right well i'm never gonna see this person i'm calling on the phone anyway fuck do I care? <laughs> it just uh, just kind of went for it but I, I wish i had that like stupidness in me now because <laughs> now i would overthink it before i called anyone for like 20 minutes yeah i know i think yeah. that the farther we've moved away from like calling people on the phone and now we just yeah. texting in the internet i'm like yeah i, I wouldn't call anybody now like yeah. it's like yeah. i don't know if i'd ever figure it out <laughs> yeah and then and same thing is like someone gave me someone's like hey can you reach out to so-and-so and get this scheduled like yeah and then they gave me a phone number I was like you don't have their email or anything <laughs> and they're like just call them i was like yeah i guess so but it's never my first thought you know you just yeah. kind of like oh yeah well i could just send them an email and explain myself they're like or you could just call and explain it in 10 seconds i'm like yeah, fuck, you're right. You just forget, you get a little lazy with it. Yeah. Do you ever feel though, and this is like a Gary Vaynerchuk thing that he says, I don't know if you follow his stuff, but yeah, um, he's always like, do you ever get a call and you're just like, why the fuck are you calling me, mom? You're, you're like, you're just like about it. Yeah. yeah, you're like, you're just wasting my time on the phone yeah, call. Like Exactly. And that, that's but, go ahead. <laughs> a lot of, that's how like a lot of managers, they'll like call me and, and I don't have info on the band. So they'll just call and go, hey, I wanted to call and submit my band. I was like, you, well i'm just gonna remember like everything you're telling me like send send it in an email like yeah you know, like, well i don't have your emails like well you found my phone number like <laughs> that hard it's pretty easy to guess yeah so yeah it's but yeah you do always get a little thrown off you're like who is this you know <laughs> uh do you get as just i mean like i've known your name uh i'm, I'm trying to think of when i first like heard about you as a and r for fuel by ramen and i think it was when sleep on it finally got their deal because mm -hmm. I think that uh, I, I don't know exactly how it all worked out between you guys, but I know that uh, Jake and I are good friends. And so I yeah, know he yeah. mentioned that like uh, that you had kind of helped out to like get them a, a deal and like help them along the way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you've worked with <laughs> you've worked with all these old bands and obviously you're still doing it and you're still making a career out of it. Yeah. Um, do you get just like a ton of bands just hitting you up constantly? <laughs> Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a multitude of different ways where, you know, from other managers or agents or whatever, or lawyers or anything, but mm -hmm. yet like 
my Twitter mentions or like silly shit like that. Like my DMs on Instagram, it's like you just get bombarded with, yeah. you know, whatever. And it's a good thing. I mean, I, I remember times where no one hit me up. So it's totally <laughs> fine. I totally understand it. And um, I was the dude sending bands to other labels. You know, that was my career 15 years ago. So um, it's good. I'm definitely not a complaint or, you know, anything egotistical about it. Like I love mm -hmm. it and I listen to as much as I can, but you know, I have a roster of like 15 bands, so I can't yeah. like, you know, making records for them and I'm signing new things. So it's like when I get a thing that's like, Hey, we just played our first show. And I was like, okay, like, you know, keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a little difficult to sometimes like you catch me on the right day. I can listen to a bunch of songs, you catch me on the wrong day. I can't listen for a week, you know? So, yeah. um, but I, you know, I true do still, truly love finding new bands or getting really excited and being like, holy shit and diving in and meeting that artist and what they're trying to say. And like, you know, anything that like gets you real excited and that's kind of currently, that's all I've been signing is shit. That's like just blown me away that mm -hmm. I'm like, how has no one else like gotten this yet? You know, that kind of thing. If I don't have that feeling, it's really hard for me to like want to sign a copycat of something that's working three years ago, you know, which yeah. is a lot of bands I feel like these days. Uh, is your job then not just like your job isn't just to find a band and sort of get them, get them a contract, get them a deal right. and then just sort of like let them go on and have their career without you. It's sort of like you're, right. you're with them along the entire process until I guess you're, you're no longer needed and they can fly and leave the nest without you. No, they never leave. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's literally like sign them, you know, whatever. And then it starts to go through songs, get, the, get the right producer, get the right mixes, master the record, then figure out the rollout plan. What are the singles? When do we put out what? Like it's, it's everything. And then oh, wow. um, once you do that, you do it again, you know, and <laughs> it's like, so my roster, it's like, I, you know, I think what you're referring to is like when there's like a scout that signs a band and then hands it over to someone like, yeah, for me, there's no handover. It's just like I sign it and take it the whole way. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it's which which is exciting. That's how I prefer it. I love that part. Um, yeah. You know, even you know, going through records right now with a couple artists that are making their seconds or thirds records. It's like it's so exciting to watch and go. Okay, we did this last time. Why don't we try? Why don't you try working with so and so and see what comes out of that? And like mm -hmm. those are the different like equations I like to kind of play with and understand that where an artist wants to go. I don't want to do this again. I feel like sound. I don't want to sound like that much anymore. I, I'm really into these bands. Like I think kind of heading that way or splitting the middle and you know mm -hmm. having those very creative discussions is just so exciting and i'm in the middle of like three of them right now which is just like the most fun i've had in a long time yeah i know um i saw your your photos from the grammys with fever 333 mm -hmm. uh are you working with grandson as well yes. yeah um so i know those are like two two up-and-coming artists right now uh mm -hmm. lizzie and i Absolutely love Fever Three Three Three. We saw him at Raya Fest and just like Great. Uh, incredible. I missed awesome. I missed them at the the Bring Me the Horizon tour by like yeah misunderstanding when doors and the show started. Oh, you went, got it. I went and I got there and Thrice was on. And I was like, uh, my girlfriend was like, "Is this the band you wanted to see?" And I was like, "Nope, we missed them." <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, supposedly yeah. that was a great show. That was a huge room. Oh yeah, it was it was an intense show just with Bring Me the Horizon, but uh. Yeah, so, I, I, I'm I'm sad I missed it, but um, yeah, they'll yeah. be back. I think they're Chicago open air. I don't know how close that is to anyone. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a bit of a distance. I don't have a car, so I can't yeah. really. And get out I there. also think I saw it was like three hundred dollars or something. Ridiculous. So they've been offering like twenty dollar tickets. Like if you yeah. want to sit in the way back, like I was gonna say, I feel like they had to do something because yeah. there's so many complaints. 
but it's weird because they're you know and and i do want to talk a bit about new metal with you as well uh because i like system of a down and tool are headlining and i'm like how are you not selling these tickets like that sounds like a great bill yeah there was such there's such great bands on that bill i wish i'd lived there for that one because i mean i i can't be you know whatever we get so much great shit out here but Yeah. yeah that that one in particular is like such a good lineup and um with them on it and and then so then in the fall, Fever's touring with Corn uh, and Allison Chains. Yeah, like Corn's yeah. my favorite band of all time. So, so it's like, w- was that you that like was like you need to play this? I this mean, tour. <laughs> it, it came up, and it definitely was like not. I don't want to say it was like the most obvious thing for them because they very much were just like that. We have like a crazy schedule, and they were just like, if we add another, you know, tour, in, and mm-hmm. I'm like, it's fucking corn. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? And and like, so then we figured it out around schedules and took half the tour instead of the full tour. So it's like we found a way to make it work. But mm-hmm. uh, luckily for me, they're playing 15 minutes up the road when it comes through here, and it's just yeah. like I can't wait. I'm so stoked <laughs> for them. Um. So if you're if so you're getting a lot of bands that come out i'm sure that you're going to see bands that you're hearing like something about and is there anything like within music like genre wise or uh you know sort of where you see like the scene going uh that you're like really excited about or that you think that like i, I mean obviously emo hip-hop seems to be like the yeah. big thing right now uh yeah that's what i was gonna say and to me i have a whole theory on it that i've kind of like thrown and the reason it's happening um is because you know when you were in a band you're saying you were in a band in high school or whatever right yeah. like it was it's a lot of work to get a bunch of guys and then to practice and then to find guys with the exact same vision as you etc yeah. so like what i think has happened is a lot of those people because a lot of these emo hip-hop kids that are like starting to work and grow like they're from bands they were in bands you know even including like post malone was you know trying to be in crown yeah. Empire for a while. it's like so it's yeah. like there's situations where it's like they i think there's now an option and an outlet where I don't think there was 15 years ago. I don't think you could just be like, okay, like I'm a, you know, whatever. And I want to create this and I want to rap and do this instead. Like it's, I think it's a learned trait, just like playing guitar is, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think they're kind of finding this thing of like, well, I don't need to like collide and butt heads with four other guys and they won't take off work to take this two week tour. Like, you know, it's not that anymore. It's literally like traveling with your laptop of shit you created. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you have a live band or whatever, when you get to a certain level. But um, I think that it's, it's connecting in that way because it's the same lyrics. It's a similar delivery. Um, and I think it's just what's happening in music right now, production wise. So I think a lot of even just like the bigger artists I know, they'll collaborate with those kids because it's something that people hadn't heard before. So they'll put that behind their stuff or, you know, Fall Boy taking out Black Bear on this last tour, you know, mm-hmm. in this in the fall or whatever. So it's like everyone's looking at it and borrowing ideas from it. And, you know, a lot of bands are kind of snobby with it. And like, I don't want this emo rapper on my tour. And it's like, well, kids really want to see that dude. So, (laughs) you know, um, so I think that there's a combination of that stuff. I don't really know. I think, I hope the time of like the 1975 ripoff band goes away at some point, because Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how much I hear that guitar effect. And I'm just like, you're immediately (laughs) lumped in with a band that's way better than you. Like you're just, you just, you're stuck. So when I hear a band that rips through that, there's very few of them that I think can pull it off um, as good as them. So I don't know. I don't really know what's next. Um, I tr- I think there is, you mentioned new metal. I feel like there's a little bit of like a new metal thing going on with some younger stuff. Yeah. It's kind of making it's like 15, 20 year, like poking its head up again thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that there's going to be a lot of different stuff that 
people are just blending, you know, punk and hip hop or whatever it is. Like, I feel like you're going to be seeing these things where a kid, you know, you and I grew up on certain bands, but the kids today touring had never heard those bands. Like I was talking to a band that I recently just signed and I forget what I, Oh, I brought up uh, like smashing pumpkins and they didn't, they never heard of it. (laughs) And I was just like, wait, Uh (laughs) and I was like, Oh yeah, you're like 18. So like, when's the last time the pumpkins had like a hit hit, you know, like, yeah. So it was kind of like one of those things that I made them like a playlist of it. They're like, this is unbelievable. I'm like, I know, but like, <laughs> it's crazy that your generation literally has never even heard of it. Yeah. So, and like Rage Against the Machine, same thing. It's like when people are like, you know, when we pull influence or thought or whatever for fever stuff, people are just like, either older people are like, oh, it sounds like a new rage with like hip hop in it. Or mm-hmm. people are just like, I've never heard anything like this. And we're like, oh. You should check out Rage. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty dope. You know what I mean? And yeah. not to say that anything is directly taken. It's just like the influence and the anger and like mm-hmm. all of that stuff combined and the, the politics of it all. Yeah, I was going to say too that um, one of the things that I've seen most of the reactions in like where music goes and and what starts to get popular and what people really gravitate to kind of has to do with politics and the economy and yeah. how people are like kind of reacting to these external forces of what's yeah. happening and and I, I I've sort of gathered that like new metal and like the the feeling of that like sort of anger and rage and sort of like yeah i don't know what the word is but not being able to sort of like enact anything in your personal life will want to you'll want to be able to do that at a show or with music and so like i found that like it's it's on two different spectrums of like really angry (laughs) and just like i'm super pissed or like really fucking sad (laughs) that's yeah you actually you're right a lot of stuff is in one of those two categories at this point and i think it's kind of a state, like you said, of people's frustrations, whether it be in their own lives and they feel stuck or whatever's happening. But man, there's a lot of fucking angry music right now. It's (laughs) crazy. Um, And I don't think it's like, I mean, I think, I don't think it's ending anytime soon. Like, I think it's like swelling right now. And, you know, that's why, you know, it's so violent and everything's crazy, like in music and outside at this point. But like, Mm fucking there's killings all over the place. Like, it's just fucking gnarly. So it's a really interesting you know, time. We're a long way from a Knights of Columbus hall. It feels like of a $5 Friday night. Pizza yeah. Party situation. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I don't know what to do about any of it, but I do know that as long as like, I don't know, there's some interest in shows or at least yeah. interest in like, I don't know. It seems, it seems like most of it's happening on the internet anyway. Um, exactly. It feels like, and, and, Maybe you have some insight on this too, but it feels like it is getting harder and harder to get someone to actually go to a show. Mm-hmm. Like I think of like if I'm putting on something and and I'm I'm in a cover band now, so like it doesn't really matter. Like the bar hires us, we show up, we have a right. good time. That's it doesn't matter. Sure. Right. It's perfect for me. It's exactly what I want to be doing. Um, but if I was like, I'm gonna advertise this show what should I put on a poster? What should I put in an ad or what should I put on, you know, social media? And it's like, what would get me to come to the show? And I was like, I don't fucking know. I'm 32 years old. Like if you can't get me out of my house. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say for, if it's not compelling, like even if you said there's free food and free beer, you're like, maybe, (laughs) you know what I mean? You're still not fully sold. Yeah. And that's kind of a crazy thing. I just think it's the, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation that changed was, but yeah, it just, I think it was more exciting at the time to see something, you know, from my perspective, something you could see and then see again and see again, and then it explodes, you know? And then you're like, I'll never see that. Like seeing Rise Against his first show ever, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like 
that's something that I'll be like, holy shit, I got to see that with 200 people. Like, that was so sick. Yeah. Whereas now you can't see that band with less than 5,000 people in yeah. most places. So it's like, those are those things that I think are lost on people because they, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. And maybe that's just me being a weird music fan, but <laughs> I think a lot of people are cool with paying 25 bucks to go sit high up and being like, okay, that I like that band. I don't care if mm-hmm. I saw them five years ago because they're really good right now. So maybe it is a collector mentality in that sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I just think that some of that, that excitement's gone, um, unfortunately, but. Yeah. I've also, I mean, I noticed this with a lot of rock acts at, uh, festivals like Lollapalooza, even kind of Riot Fest, even though Riot Fest tends to have more new bands than, a, than a Lollapalooza yeah. does. Um, but that rock music is more in the nostalgia market right now. And so there's not as much of a, of an interest in new acts or new bands unless, I mean, obviously fever three, three, three is Jason uh, from let live. And I was a huge let live fan. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to check out your new band because it's you and you're really talented chariot too. I was a huge fan of the chariot. So, but it's like the nostalgia of seeing these guys from this, these old bands that I was super into brings me to that audience. But if you've got just like, I wonder if you had the same music and the same content of the lyrics and the, the, the performance uh, with guys that you didn't know, right. Then would people come out? Would that new band be the same, have the same energy behind it? Sure. And I think, to your point, it is really hard to break something no one knows about. And that's, you know, the challenge we're faced with as a label every day. And, you know, for us, it's like Grandson's actually a good example of one that is working in the sense Mm -hmm. that they're saying similar things to fever, whether it be political or like, you know, drug addiction or depression or, or something. And they're speaking on very, you know, sensitive topics that hit home for a lot of people. And, um, it is, he is pulling people out, but that's due to a lot of really hard work of being very strategic online and getting people to a Spotify and then getting people from there out to the shows. Like it's a lot of, it, you know, it's a very big team effort to make it happen, but he just toured, um, the full U S the headliner for the mm-hmm. first time ever. And he sold between four and 600, uh, tickets in every single market, he sold out every show for the whole tour. So awesome. it's like, we're getting there and then we're going to do it again and again, you know, and then just keep bumping up. So it's hard though. I mean, previous to that, you know, he's playing a hundred, 150 kids, you know? So you take the right support tours, you take the right, like getting fan base. He toured with nothing but thieves and a few other Mm -hmm. things that we were just like grabbing, you know, hopefully a couple hundred in every market. And then we said, all right, fuck it. Let's see what happens. Put his own tour on sale. And it's like, first 24 hours we sold through like 300 out of the 400 Reggie tickets in Chicago, you know? So it's like, you immediately see the impact, um, when it, when it is working. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge difficulty to take a band with no prior inclination, um, no previous member, no big support and just go like, like if I found a band right now and I just said, like, I went to my label and was like, Hey, this music's unbelievable. They, the first thing they would usually say is like, Oh cool. What's, you know, how many this, how many that? And you're like, well, nothing yet, you know? And it's like an interesting style of like, um, you know, I guess nothing, nowhere. Another one I work with is a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, he had played three or four shows tops. Um, nothing crazy online. I just fell in love and I was like something so special about this, the numbers, you're not going to be impressed. There's no numbers, but I think what he's doing is blending these things. He sounds like Drake meets brand new, which makes no sense. And it, <laughs> but then you hear it and you go, Oh, that does kind of make, I get what you're mm-hmm. saying. So it was this thing that where I was like, I felt so passionate, but that it was something new and kind of trailblazing that I was like, I don't care what numbers say, like something special here. And if more people hear it, it will get big. And Mm -hmm. that's what we've done over the last two and a half years. Um, 
So I think it has to either be that thing. It can't just be like, oh, it sounds like this. It sounds like a band, like Smashing Pumpkins or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. that doesn't, no one's going to run for it. You know what I mean? Or, or if they do, it's like a one in a million chance, like a Greta Van Fleet or whatever. (laughs) I was going to say Silver Sun pickups. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, but it happens like once every 10 to 20 years for certain big bands. So the cycle is really hard to break, but it's also very, very difficult to get, get new stuff out there. I mean, you, you brought up sleep on it and Jake, it's like when I started working with them, they hadn't, um, it was right when Zach came into the band. So it was kind of starting over in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, they had obviously built a name for themselves in Chicago, much as did Zach and bonfires and a previous band. So, um, and it was, it definitely had a head start on most things, but it still was like, okay, we have no idea what you're worth on your own because you really haven't headlined in a while. You've now you have a new singer, you just pieces of this thing that we don't know how people are going to receive, not in a negative way, but in a way of like, we have a lot of work to make sure it works. Um, so I worked with them for like a year and a half before coming back to feel Bar ramen. Um, but yeah, it was, it's awesome to watch those dudes now be able to like, play shows and you know now their tours their main support on tours instead of being you know one of four so it's like yeah. they're growing they're going up the ladder but it's a lot of work it's like you can't skip steps you have to be able to like take that and make little to no money and lose money on tours <laughs> a while and and be able to figure it out and pay rent at home and all these other pieces that yeah are really interesting to watch do you think that it comes down to just that that motivation and the grind and the hustle and just like the stick with itness. I think that's a real word. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. It's it's interesting. And you brought up Gary Vee before. And a mm-hmm. lot of the times when I when I listen to uh, you know, people, he does he does a ton of Q and A's and all that shit. Yeah. And it's really interesting when people are like, How do you know when you're not giving up on something, but that you should? Because it's a dead yeah. end. You know, so it's like a really weird catch twenty two because I'm sure a lot of people told, you know, you know, Mark Zuckerberg that what do you do? Like, you know what I mean? Like all yeah. these like super billionaire companies now at one point i'm sure people were like you're fucking crazy like think of something else you know yeah and they just kept with it but i'm sure there's a ton of people that like stuck with something too long and it ruined their lives you know what I mean? <laughs> bankrupt and burned every bridge they ever had because they believed in something and it just never clicked you know mm-hmm. what i mean and it's that's okay too i guess but if you can learn from that but i think there's a weird balance of knowing when it's like even with going back to llr it's like when we had success with certain artists one after another, and then we still looked at the bank accounts and we were like, dude, we are $30,000 in debt. Like how did we get here? (laughs) And like everyone on the outside thinks we're like a huge thing, Mm -hmm. but like we're doing a really good job at just keeping the lights on sort of and propping this up to look like a great thing because we're putting every dollar we have right into a band. And it's like, Oh shit, this band has this opportunity. We have to pay for it. And it's like, well, we don't have any money. It's like, well, get another credit card. Like and just keep, <laughs> keep going. And, it's like, and it got to the point where we were like, we had, you know, I had the job offer from field by ramen. And I was like sitting there with my partner and being like, dude, what is the best case scenario for our label in like one year, three years, five years. And we were just like, fuck, I don't know. You know what I mean? Cause we, <laughs> we didn't know. And we just were like, Maybe it is okay to try something else. And that worst case scenario, those new things we both do suck. And then we come back together in two years knowing more, right? Like mm-hmm. that was kind of our mentality to have like this weird plan B of like, if all everything goes wrong, when we try something new, we come back together. And I went to Field Bar Ramen and stayed for a long time. And now I'm back. He went to Tour Manage Academy is, and now Tour Manages Panic at the Disco mm-hmm. and Carly Rae Jepsen. So it's like, we're very much like, oh, that was a good choice that we both made to go. 
that thing we were doing that was sinking money, like <laughs> that's probably okay. We left that behind because I couldn't imagine like two more years of that. We would probably hate each other. We probably wouldn't be friends anymore. Like it would just be a pretty gnarly situation. So yeah, we kind of re- we kind of like very much had a hard conversation with each other, and we're like, we should quit this thing. And so being too determined, I think, is also a big fault of some. Or you know, how many bands their first ever band make it right? Like <laughs> yeah, think about that. Like that's insane. Like every successful band that we're talking about right now, very rarely is it like. They, had, they, don't, they don't have 10 dead bodies in a fucking box somewhere. <laughs> like, I was in this band. I screamed in this band. Then I was the drummer of this terrible, you know, like, it's just stories like that that make me always be like, you can end this. And honestly, if you did two other bands and liked this more, come back to it. Like, yeah. there's no real rhythm or rule, like, or do both bands. I don't know. Like, you know, Fall Boy was a fucking side project for a while. And then it was like, oh, we have to do this. Like, <laughs> So I think it's, I think there's a, a balance that only you can kind of judge, but I, I always feel like, you know, me moving to Florida for, for Feel by Ramen, I was scared shitless of going to, to moving. I didn't want to move. Yeah. And I was like, well, if I hate it in three weeks or a year, I could just move back. Yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? And it was like, and it was like, once you get those like weird, like things of like, I could solve it if it sucks mm-hmm. kind of mentality, then it's like, go do, go do 10 different things and fail at all of them if you have to. <laughs> Just don't spend too much money in the process, I guess. Yeah. I was thinking you said like dead bodies in the closet. I'm like, I measure all my old bands and how much merch I have left that I can't do anything with. That's unfortunate. But (laughs) once you move across the country a couple of times, all that goes, (laughs) all of that gets donated somewhere along the way. Who needs a box of (laughs) t-shirts? You move boxes of t-shirts from one closet to the next in different apartments. And I'm like, I didn't even know this was still in here until you moved it again. And then you just got to get rid of it. Yeah. Like, anybody remember this band? No, we didn't care about you then. We don't care about you now. Yeah, you're like, I'm putting the shirts up. And they're like, we would have bought them if we wanted them. Yeah. It's all good. It's like, all right. Yeah, sorry for bringing it up. Uh, yeah, I have a lot of those past regrets. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I I mean, Gary V says, like, everybody should do a podcast, which is kind of why I started doing one. That's awesome. Yeah, I do remember uh, that advice. Yeah, and now like I'm like, yeah, every band needs to just start like hanging out and talking. Like Frankie Arrow is doing one. Right. Uh John Walker's do doing one. one. Yeah. Yeah. The I'm main like, killer one. They bring on anyone they're touring with or old buddies or anything, and it's awesome insight. Yeah. I uh I like that, you know, I I'm I i do not know if you're getting a lot of because I know you did the emo night LA one, but I don't know if you're yeah. like getting a lot of people asking you just because you have this this real integral experience with all of these bands that have have become in many ways like iconic among the scene and like they led to so many other bands that have come after them that have become popular and like i don't know are you getting like a ton of requests to be a podcast I, interview I, i've done some yeah i love it i mean i think it's fun to just rehash and i honestly learn from it every time i bring up an old story and i'm like wait that kind of relates to what i'm stuck at now with this artist or like yeah. it's always just fun for me um, you know, and still seeing a lot of those guys all the time. It's really fun to see like them having kids and getting married and like being like, dude, remember when we all lived in like one shitty apartment <laughs> had parties and, you know, we sold cups and that's how we funded you leaving for tour. Like it's just interesting, fun times to now be adults or at least age wise adults for most of us. And 
figure it all out. But yeah, no, I, lo- I love it. I think it's fun to go on those things. Um, you know, especially with, like I said, I brought up the main one. It's like those guys I had such a fun story with because I tried to sign him and they said no, but we remained, remained friends for a long time. Mm-hmm. And every time I fuck with them and just be like, you made a huge mistake. So going on <laughs> the podcast to call them out was actually a really fun moment. <laughs> um, so it was, uh, yeah, no, I, I love it, dude. And someday I'll be able to sit down when I have some time and rip through a bunch on my own as well. I'd love to yeah. pull, pull the old stories out of everyone at some point, but it's just not in the cards right now. <laughs> I know that's what Cisco wants to do too. And just like yeah. catalog his experiences and put it all totally. out there. I think that's the killer thing. And a lot of people can learn from it, including yourself and be like, I mm-hmm. can't believe that's what it used to be. That's great. Yeah. How do I create that again? Like, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a bit about Good Future Club. Right. Uh, so it's your your clothing line, your clothing label. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, because I, I know you have like a goal with it and you have like kind of a mantra behind why you yeah. created it. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to go in yeah. into that? Yeah. I mean, basically, you know, my wife and I were kind of like going over ideas to just start start something together and get it going. And we, you know, kind of continually felt like there's so much like negativity and just like weird frustration and depression and whatever. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be nice to just put something positive into the world and just mm-hmm. like go to all our friends that are in bands and give them stuff. So then, you know, fr- fans of them can, you know, just get a, me- I don't know, get a message. And I know it sounds kind of campy at times. Um, but the way that I think we wanted to do it was just to continue to spread that and spread, you know, artists making a difference, basically create a platform for anyone, whether it be bands, um, photographers, videographers, podcasts, like anything that we feel like is doing something good and just continually put a spotlight on it. And going back to a Gary Vee thing, it's like, it's, there's so much negativity that like positivity needs to be louder mm-hmm. and it's on the people's shoulders that are happy and positive to spread that and not just like, you know, hide in your corner and, and just feel that way while everyone else is struggling. So whatever, you know, without an ego, obviously saying that, like whatever you can do, like anyone, small, big, anyone like fucking, I felt like it was a good way to spread a message to just kind of continually push that. Or like, you know, when you find something and you just tell someone that what they're doing is fucking great. And, you know, you just like whatever building confidence. And now I'm the father of a four-year-old and it's like, watching when she comes home bummed out for something i'm like what happened it's like so and so told me i couldn't play with them you're like what the fuck so it's like (laughs) weird it's like weird things that like fuck with the kid's psyche or like a a, you know all the way up to being an adult or you know whatever so it's like i feel like just putting any of that out there um not that it's anyone's you know duty to save the world but you know why you know why wouldn't you so Mm -hmm. i felt like we could create a platform and put you know fans on anyone on and just kind of continue to maybe spread that message any which way we could yeah. No, I love it. I, um, I've seen like some of the Instagram stories and that are just like positivity. And I'm like, usually it's, it like comes up and I'm like, yeah, I kind of needed that today. Like, good. So yeah, <laughs> and that's just it, man. Cause that's how, you know, Gary Vee and a ton of others are for me. It's like, mm-hmm. they catch you at the right moment and you're like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. I guess yeah. that's cool. This perspective is way different. I'm just like, poor me. Cause someone won't call me back. And it's like, does that really fucking matter? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like finding those little wins and, you know, getting those wins for anyone else that's willing to listen or that maybe would need to hear it. So I think, 
you know, that's, that's kind of the, what it was born out of. And we've actually just had a lot of fun because her and I had never worked together on anything. So it's fun to like the creation of getting someone to design a bunch of ideas we have, then going through colors and going through printing and going through marketing and doing all these different things that we've tried to do and donate certain amounts of it to charity and help out others and launch a bunch of stuff. So we're just doing, you know, we're just having fun with it. And that's why it's always funny. And, you know, we just, hope that more people get involved and that's cool and you know if other people start their own branched off of it that's cool too like just continue to keep that mindset and i feel fortunate enough to have what i have and how i feel that i've seen depression i've been depressed i've had all of it to where i was like those people in those times of needs what if it just took a little nudge to be like flip script and for me to be able to look back on that fondly is like a moment that i'm like well whatever just share the stories do your mm-hmm. thing yeah, well, that's really I just thinking about like where we're at kind of now and like what artists are, you know, uh, nothing nowhere like you mentioned canceled yeah. his his tour because he was just like I need to take care of my mental health and like totally. uh, we've done a lot of stuff for mental health and what is this? Yeah. This comes out tomorrow, so May is Mental Health Month, right? And I don't know what we're doing yet. We're trying to think of something to do for it, right? Well, let uh, me know and we'll uh, we'll do something together. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. I uh, I'm trying to get everybody who has something else with club in the title of it onto our club so that we all have one big club. So it's not just like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm big on just like building community and like uh, maybe taking action in like a smaller capacity. Like it's not about like, like I've, I've realized that like, it's okay if a hundred people listen to my podcast, I'd rather a hundred people care and like a hundred people who maybe need that message, like are getting the message. And I don't care if like a thousand people ever listen, like that's not really. But think about too, like a hundred people listening is a, is it's a big number. Like think about you going outside and talking right now and a hundred people standing in front of you. Uh, Like it'd be, it's scary. (laughs) That's crazy to wrap your head around. That's like, those people are like hearing what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's so funny with numbers, like same thing with artists and everything when they're playing like, Oh man, I'm only playing to like 50 people tomorrow. It's like, that's 50 people. Yeah. Like that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> like if you were 13 right now, you'd be like, Whoa, what if I played to 50 people? Like that's the whole thing. I always try to find the, the, the positive in that kind of thought process. But yeah, I, you're, you're, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Like the quality of it's way better than whatever number you know, mm-hmm. of people that you, whatever goal you've set that you're like, I'm not hitting this. So I'm, I'm not doing well. Like yeah. that's not, it's so backwards, but I get it. We all go there and I go there too. When I put out a record with someone and I'm like, Oh man, we only sold 10,000 copies. And it's like, Holy shit. Remember when you told like 40 copies of yeah. five before planet? It was awesome. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> remember when you were burning like, CDs and like you rolling. still have 50 of them sitting in your, yeah. in your basement somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, I just moved shit to a storage unit this morning, actually, and I found all these old demos and shit from back then. And I was like, How, why do I have these still? But it's like, it's pretty funny to dig back through these old ones we used to get all the time. You could probably sell some of those for like... I'd have to look through them when I had more time and just yeah. I had to pick up boxes that opened. I was like, oh, fuck, I wish I had an hour right now to like dig through this whole yeah. thing. Yeah, I thought about like, imagine like those old like my chem demos that like I used to get from, from local shows where they'd be like trying to push this band and like, imagine what that would go for now. Like I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) We can, we could talk a bit more about new metal cause you always post like your like workout mixes and you're just like, this is a fucking banger in that. And I'm like, always like, yeah, no, he, he, you got good taste. Awesome. Um, I, I I agree with you that I think new metal is coming back around. I, do you think it's going to come back around the same as like 
the sort of emo revival has? I, I don't know how big it can get again. I think it peaked when it was like so, so big in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, whatever that was. Um, mm-hmm. I can't imagine it ever gets there again because there's just no platform for it anymore like that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get played on the radio. MTV was kind of biting on it a little bit just because it was so kind of like like wacky looking at mm-hmm. the time, you know. But I think the shock value of that wore, wore off in yeah. a weird way. So I don't know what gets it to the level of mainstream again, but I do think there is bubbling like versions of it, even bands like, you know, like Vane or something like that. It's like, they're starting to incorporate like a DJ scratch in it or like Mm -hmm. little shit like that. And, you know, there's a lot of those bands kind of like with just kind of like the bouncy rhythms of what it used to be versus like a straightforward, like metal riff. So Mm -hmm. I think, um, I think it is coming back, but in a blended way, but I don't think, again, I don't know how big, what that means exactly. (laughs) Outside of there's more new metal bands you'll hear now than five years ago. I think. It's a lot of the same ones too. Like totally. they're just the same bands doing stuff. But I mean, I was really stoked when System of a Down got back together because I didn't oh. really have enough chances to see them back in the day. That's I still funny, haven't yeah. seen I saw Perfect Circle for the first time two years ago. And that was one Great. of my like top favorite bands from high school. And I still haven't seen Tool. Um, and now like Chicago Open Air, I'm like, I I, I really want to go. Yeah. But I can't really get there and like yeah. I don't know. I'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah, no, they're a fucking sight to see, man. That's that band is incredible, and they, they've taken so much time off that yeah. it's hard. Like, it might be one of the last times with you know in Chicago, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. They're like, I always think it's funny when their Facebook page posts something, and it's just like Danny Carey's playing at like this like winery oh, somewhere, and I'm so like, weird. why? What is happening? Yeah, it just yeah, things have slowed down for some of that. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I I don't know, I I. We've tried to do some new metal parties in Chicago. Right. Um, they mostly overlap with the emo parties in Chicago. Right. And it's a similar uh, crowd that actually enjoys both. Yeah. Really uh, my emo cover band did a few. We did like Break Stuff and right. um, Chop Suey, uh, Duality. We like played a few like just heavy songs and like awesome. the crowd was was super into it. And then we just go right into like Hawthorne Heights and they're like, yeah. Yeah. It kind of blends in a weird way, but yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wanted to come back <laughs> like surprisingly. I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I feel you. No, <laughs> man. I mean, I think there's going to be, we're going to pick and choose the ones that are going to have a little bit of runs, but you know, even, even bands like motionless and white and stuff like that, it's like, mm-hmm. it's not new metal, but it's like sharing a lot of the same like theatrics or, um, you know, visuals and stuff and mm-hmm. sound wise. Yeah. Some of the choruses are like that where they're very bouncy and shit. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I think like you said, shock value. I'm like, well, Marilyn Manson's just sort of like a dude now. Like, yeah, right. It's he's just, still it's weird. Off. It wears right. off. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We're and not as scared. The is, yeah. The world's so crazy now that what's <laughs> a new metal band, you know, true. true. So, it feels like weird times. Yeah. Um, well, that was all I really had on my, cool. uh, on my docket to talk to you. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? I think I'm all right, man. I think, uh, I think that's good. Hopefully be back in Chicago for some wild Palooza action or something. Yeah. Summer. I'll be there on uh Friday and Saturday. That's what I was thinking of coming for. So I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, got, um, now I'm going to do my really shitty outro where right. I say, thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Johnny Minardi, and all of your uh, your social links for you personally and Good Future Club will be down in the descriptions of the social medias. Uh, 
And uh, from all of us here at the Emo Social Club podcast, uh, goodbye.